Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I want to ask you something. Are you connected to the people where you go? Or do you just come on a Sunday and walk out, get in your car, and go home? You need to be in a small group. You need to be doing life together. Paul couldn't wait to get out of the prison to go back to see people. Summer's a great time to hang together. Find a way to get yourself involved with people. Stop doing life alone. If you do life alone, you will never love life. There's an old saying, no man is an island. This refers to the reality that we were made to be social, to work, and live together. The Bible speaks of believers as members of a body, like cells or our organs. In the passage Pastor Mark will be teaching from the Apostle Paul indicates his longing to be with those to whom he's writing. He misses them. In John 17, Jesus prayed to the Father that we would show the world his love by the love we, Christ followers, have for one another. We can't display that love without being together, having conflicts, but working them out. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 2 of his message, Living and Dying for What? I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Keep your finger there. We'll be right back. Acts chapter 9. And when you get there, let me give you a little scenario. Paul was supernaturally saved by God. He was a Jew that hated Christians. He was killing Christians. But God changed his life. And when he did, God took him to the deserts of Arabia for about three years to learn. He was learning from Jesus. Well, he comes back into Damascus, and if you look down at verse 23, he comes back to the city of Damascus, and he finds that the Jewish people, who were his friends, are now his enemies. Look at it. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill Paul. Saul would be who they call him. But Saul learned of their plan. In other words, God made him aware of this. Well, day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers, Paul's followers, Christians, took him by night, lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall, and Paul, well, his life was saved. You see, we don't see... There in verse 24, when Paul learned of their plan, Paul says this, bring it on, guys, kill me, because heaven's better. I'm ready to go right now. No, not at all. Notice, Paul 
And God were working together. God made Paul aware of the plans. His friends came and provided a way of escape. From this deliverance, Paul knew one thing. God was not through with him. He could go on loving life and all that life entailed. Now, loving life. Any of you out there breathing this morning? Hello? Yes, you're breathing. So what do I mean by that? If you're breathing, you're alive. Some of you need that caffeine right now, I can tell. You're alive. And so if you're alive, it means there's purpose for your life. Not existence, but purpose. When we go to Israel, we go to this neat spot up near the Sea of Galilee. It's the spot where one day Jesus was teaching and the crowd came and they were going to throw him over the cliff and kill Jesus. And the Bible says he found his way through the crowd and left. Now, why didn't Jesus allow them to throw him over? Because he wasn't supposed to die yet. We'll learn more in our times are in God's hands. So Jesus knew that he hadn't gone to the cross. It wasn't time for him to die. And so he wanted to go on enjoying life. If you're breathing this morning, you have life in you, the very life of God. And he has a plan for your life. And part of that plan should be loving life because it's a wonderful gift from God. So Paul loved life. Let me ask you a question. And I don't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to think about it. Do you love living? Or are you simply existing? Have you lost the zest for living? If you go back to verse 19, we see that Paul wanted to live well he wanted to die well back in Philippians, but he knew he needed more than his resolve. He needed more than his resources himself. To enjoy life and to live life, Paul needed three things. Let me give you them. Here's number two to write. Paul loved living because of people. Notice he says, for I know that through your prayers, what prayers? The people at Philippi. The people he had met, the people he had discipled. Once again, we see that enjoying life involves loving people. Paul knows that the people back in the church of Philippi are thinking about him. In fact, one of the reasons he wants to live is to go back and be with them. You see, if we're going to enjoy life, we have to enjoy People. Yeah, people like you. People like me. Funky people, aren't we? Sometimes my wife and I will be driving, we'll see somebody, and we go, everybody's different. <laughs> you know what I mean, don't you? Trouble is, they're saying the same thing in the other car as we drive down the road ourselves. I think Facebook and Twitter and a lot of these things are terrific. But you can't replace face-to-face -face with people, touching people, 
with an email or Twitter or picture, even on Skype. It's very different touching people, being around people. One day, Jesus said, well, here's a commandment I want to give you. He said, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. This is the, this is the first and greatest commandment. You see, life has to have God in it. But he didn't end there. He said this, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. We're to love God and what? Love people. We're to, here we go, love God and love people. No, we're not Gator fans. We're to love God and we're love people. Notice, if you put this out this far, you touch somebody. We have a core commitment in this church. It's connect to others in personal, vibrant relationships. Paul knew that living involved people. He was still connected to the church back at Philippi. He was doing life with them, and that brought him joy. I want to ask you something. Are you connected to the people where you go? Or do you just come on a Sunday and walk out, get in your car, and go home? You need to be in a small group. You need to be doing life together. Paul couldn't wait to get out of the prison to go back to see people. Summer's a great time to hang together. Find a way to get yourself involved with people. Stop doing life alone. If you do life alone, you will never love life. Because if you're selfish, you'll never enjoy life. We were made to be giving people, not selfish people. And it's going to require you to give of yourself. We'll learn more about that. Now, as a pastor, we have a lot of things we enjoy doing. I enjoy baby dedications. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy marrying couples. I enjoy premarital counseling and all those kind of things. I enjoy even some counseling and seeing people change their lives just totally change. I enjoy it. But there's some things pastors don't enjoy. I'll tell you one I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy doing a funeral. And there's seven people at the funeral. I feel bad for the family. But I feel even more badly. doesn't matter now because the person goes, for the life that person lived. Now, sometimes it's extenuating circumstances. You know, they move from up north. All their friends are there. They can't come down. I understand that. But when you die... You think there'd be a lot of people at your funeral? Will they really miss you? Were your relationship with them real? You're just doing life alone. I mean, that's a sad thing to come to a funeral. And there's more people on the stage, the singers and whatever, than there is in the audience. Don't be like that. Don't die alone. And not to die alone means you have to live life with others. Get yourself involved. Twittering, Facebook, email, terrific. Doesn't replace touching people, being in their home, enjoying people. Paul loved people. That's what life's about. Well, look at this verse 19 again. For I know that through your prayers, Paul Enjoyed life because of number three, 
He loved living because of praying people. Paul was certain that the church was praying for him and his release. He knew it. Paul had occasion to watch God work and overrule all kinds of things because of prayer. Paul had been released from all kinds of circumstances. Paul was, well, he actually probably died and God brought him back through prayer. God answered prayer and Paul knew it. Notice James 5.16 says this, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Loving life and praying people go together. As you read the epistles from Paul, all through here he's doing two things. He's praying for the churches and the people, but he's asking them to pray for him. Paul is saying... There is deliverance coming from me because prayer is powerful and it can change any circumstance. I don't know what circumstance you're in this morning, but prayer can change it. God answers prayer. God is supernatural. He's outside man's abilities. Nothing is impossible with God. Jesus said one day, my house shall be called a house of prayer. We do really, 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 really poorly in the United States with prayer. Now, I know you pray at home. We all do. But we've set something up on Tuesday nights. On Tuesday nights, you can come from 6 to 7. And as you come, here's what happens. From 6 to 7, we give you a little list of things to pray for. You can pray for 15 minutes or 30 or an hour. You can leave right away. You can do whatever you like during that time. I'm challenging you, as I have been, to come once a month just for 15 or 20 minutes and pray. Here's a whole list of things to pray for. We've got them outlined for you. Now, some of you are going to say this morning, well, Pastor Mark, I don't know who to pray for. I don't know what to pray for. we got the list ready for you. Come. God answers prayer. By the way, let me give you one to pray for right now. At home, we have a young mother here in Melbourne in our church. Wonderful family. She's worked in the kids' ministry for many years. He's a believer, followers of Christ. You have three young children. She's in a Miami hospital right now, waiting for a heart transplant. If God doesn't heal, and if she hasn't moved to a quicker top on the list, Wendy will not be with us. Now, that's something you can pray about. That's something she wants you to pray about. We're going to do some things for the family. We've already started doing many things for the family. But guys, we're a family. Here's a young mother with three children. In a circumstance, that's not her fault. God can answer prayer. Let's be a praying church. There's needs all over the place. We also, while you're praying that night, there's a separate room. And you can go and be anointed with oil. And you can be prayed for. For your mortgage is upside down. Your your husband's walked out on you. There's a definite need, like this physical need for Wendy. And we anoint with oil. And God, with the elders and their wives, and God changes people's lives. Prayer makes life worth living. 
Isn't it good to know that people would care about you enough to pray for you? By name. By name. Paul knew he was drawing strength because people were praying for him. Let's be a praying church. Well, look at Psalm 119 in the New Living Translation. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Besides people, besides praying people, Paul was confident that there was one more source outside of himself that was going to give him deliverance. That source was the person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. Paul's confidence then came from two sources, human people, friendship and praying, and divine, God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. So write this one down, if you will. Paul loved living because the Holy Spirit, God, lived in him. Now, Paul often wrote all through the scriptures about the Spirit-filled life. Paul understood that when Jesus went back to heaven, God sent the Holy Spirit to indwell every single person at their salvation. And then God also promised us the empowering of the Spirit. So as Paul thinks, here he is in that jail, he's thinking, I have friends that are praying for me, and I have the Holy Spirit living in me. Good things are going to happen in my life. You see, that was the way Paul looked at it. He looked at life, no matter what it brought, he could have joy. Why? Well, sometimes we forget what we have when we have the person of the Holy Spirit in us. Last year, we did a series called Under His Influence. We did a little iPhone deal. Take a look. If you're a Christian today, here's what you have in you. This is God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Here's what you have. The Holy Spirit assures you. He teaches you. He reminds you. He enlightens you. He comforts you. He guides you. And when we don't know how to pray, he helps us pray. And then when we need the overflowing power of the Spirit, he empowers us. You're not doing life alone today. You're doing life, if you're doing it right, with God and with people. That brings great purpose and meaning and joy. You're not just doing life with people. The world is doing that. If you're a Christian, you're doing life with God. And specifically, the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Paul understood that point. Here he needs comfort. Where will it come from? Not from Twitter. It really won't even come with a person. Some, but small. It comes from God inside who knows how to comfort us. So, God is for you today. He wants you to enjoy life. And he wants you to understand that whatever the circumstances are, you have resources outside of yourself to bring purpose and meaning to your life. That opening paragraph I read, that person doesn't have God, and they don't have real friends, and they're not sure where they are in life. What a miserable way to live. Well, look at verse 20. 
Notice what Paul says. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. You see, facing death and still wanting to live, Paul says, I want to do it right. I want to live right and I want to die right. I have joy and peace and hope and confidence. Well, how could he have that facing life and death? How could he have it? Verse 21, look at it. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says that the secret to loving life is Christ. Christ must be the center of our lives. Now, notice the focus isn't on Paul, but Christ. The focus is not on living and dying. That doesn't really matter. The focus on everything in Paul's life was Christ. So, number five, write this, and then I'll explain it to you. Paul loved living because Christ was his reason for living. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what do you mean by that? Christ was his reason for living? What does that lifestyle look like? Does that mean I got to go over to India and go to the Himalayan mountains and get up there with a guru and go, hmm, hmm, for me to live is, hmm. No, that's not what it means at all. And just look at me for a moment, because sometimes when we read this, we misunderstand. Paul isn't saying he wouldn't enjoy a good falafel. He isn't saying if there was a ball game, He would never turn that on on TV because that isn't godly. He isn't saying if he could buy a new pair of shoes, he wouldn't buy them because he's going to go barefoot for Jesus. All he's saying is, in the primary things of life, Christ must be the center and everything else is peripheral. Remember, God gives us all things richly to enjoy. But none of that really matters. What matters is Christ. This relationship with God must be the center. Let me, let me explain it to you by you. This is a homework I'm giving you. It's very simple homework. I don't want you to fill in the blank this morning. But I want you to write it down because this is your homework for the week. Notice what Paul is saying. For me, to live is, this is what you have to fill in this week. See, for a lot of people, to fill in that blank, honestly, they would say all kinds of things. Money, possessions, fame, power, pleasure, stuff. I get up in the morning because I get up in the morning. In other words, they don't even really have a purpose. But see, what Paul is saying is, he was living for someone. It was his master passion. Well, what drives you? What do you spend your time pursuing? What do you dream about? Who or what gives you security and meaning every single day? Today, Pastor Mark reminded us that all of us need each other. The body of Christ can't function properly if its parts are fighting one another or simply not working. That's what cancer does. Paul's relentless willingness to go anywhere and to do anything to advance the gospel is what we should be working at incorporating into our own lives. Others' eternal destinies are at stake. 
We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will conclude the teaching, Living and Dying for What? We'll continue to look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and in particular, his positive attitude towards life, even with eminent death hanging over his head. Hopefully, we will begin to find a way to allow God to change our focus from the things of this world to the eternal things of God. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurting world a new hope he is given